Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 27. Today, I am diving in and sharing five common mistakes that y'all are making on your websites. And of course, I talk about how to fix them. It is time to make your website shine so that those dream clients know that you are the perfect fit from the moment they land on your homepage. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop-style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. This episode of the Gold Digger Podcast is sponsored by HoneyBook. HoneyBook is the management software that I use to stay organized, manage invoices, get paid, and give every client an elevated, unforgettable experience. HoneyBook is offering 20% off exclusively for Gold Digger listeners. Just go to honeybook.com slash gold digger to get started and get your life back today. Hey, Gold Diggers. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I am so excited to talk about five common mistakes that people are making on their websites and how to make sure you're not making them or if you are, how to fix them. So as somebody who has led thousands of different creative entrepreneurs through different online education and courses, I have offered a lot of private consulting where I'll review my students and work, so their websites. And over the last few weeks, I've been doing a ton of these website reviews, and I was realizing that people were making a lot of the same mistakes. And so the idea to record this episode was born because I felt like I was seeing the same thing over and over again. And I felt like I was seeing the same little mishaps that were being missed on our websites in order to be able to reach our clients more clearly, more efficiently, more effectively, and just giving them an experience that is something that they might be yearning for that you can't necessarily deliver via mediums like social media. And so today I want to walk you through five common mistakes that a lot of us are making on our websites and the solution to them. And I also want to talk to you about the process that I just went through when I rebranded my website with Jen Olmstead. 
So when I first started, I had a shoestring budget. I had no idea how to create a website or what that would look like. And to be entirely candid, when I started five years ago, I didn't even have a website. I simply had a blog. That was all I had. That was all I could afford, to be honest. And while I only had a blog, I really understood the concept of branding and what that was going to look like. And so I was smart enough to hire somebody who was in design school and they created a logo and a brand for me with different colors and fonts and typography. And so I had this website for five years. So it was a blog and then we made a very simple WordPress website and it served my business well over the years. But what I realized is that instead of going a different direction, I was actually more so focused on going with the flow. I wanted to blend in and do what other photographers were doing because I was not yet ready or confident enough to actually attract and repel. And we'll talk all about that in today's episode. So when I finally made the decision, all right, it is time for an entire overhaul. I want to start from scratch. I want to scrap everything. I hired Jen Olmsted and we went through this entire process of what a new website could look like and what we wanted it to feel like and how we were actually serious about attracting and repelling the right people in and getting those people that might not be the right fit for me or my brand out and on their way to find somebody who is. And so when I was going through all of these different websites of my students and leaving them these reviews and doing these little videos for them, walking through my process of going through their site, I noticed that there were these common mistakes that were being made. And I'm like, what in the heck? How did we all get this so wrong? And so without further ado, let's dive in to the content of today's episode and make sure that if you're making these mistakes, we're giving you a solution so that you can get off of this episode, make those changes, implement them in your business today so that you can see results immediately. So the first mistake that I was realizing was coming in the form of how we were sharing ourselves. So as business owners, it is far too easy to hide behind our products or services. We have bought into the lie that we are not interesting enough or compelling enough or beautiful enough or perfect enough or whatever that enoughness and lack of looks like in your business. And so one of the things that I noticed on so many people's websites is that we weren't creating connection. So what does that connection need to look like? Well, if you don't currently have a beautiful bio photo of yourself where you are looking at the camera and smiling as a means of an introduction to who you are, then that needs to change. So one of the biggest mistakes I was seeing is that people would either not include a bio photo or they would have this like emo looking off into the distance type of photo where you can't see their eyes You don't necessarily know exactly what they look like. While it might be a really cool photo, it's nothing that is going to make you feel connection. And connection needs to be one of the most important factors of your website. So the first thing that I noticed beyond just not having a bio photo was that our actual about me or bio pages were coming off so dry. They were either being written in third person, where it'd be like, Jenna Kutcher attended the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point and double majored in business administration and communication. Nobody cares. I mean, 
maybe your mom cares because bless your mother's heart. She cares about everything you do, but how are you creating a connection with somebody that says like, Hey, I like you. Chances are, if I like you, I'm going to like what you're offering. And so your bio page needs to create connection. It needs to show people who you are so they can start putting your words in their mind with your face and putting that face to the name and all of that and create that, oh, there she is. That is Jenna. That is who I'm listening to. That's whose images I'm seeing. That is who is teaching me these things. And you need to make sure that your about me section is inviting, engaging, that it creates connection beyond just the product or service you offer. Now, I created this about me training, and basically in it, it kind of talks about how you need to make sure that your bio page, it leaves people wanting more. It gives them something memorable that they can cling to. It sets you apart from every other person in your industry, that it tells them something that is going to connect them to you as a human being and not just as a business owner, so that if you were to sit down over coffee, you'd have something to talk about beyond the product or service you're offering. Now, our About Me page is the number one page people go to after your homepage. So once they've landed on their website, people are going to click over there. And I know I do this as well because I'm like, well, who is this that I'm listening to? Whose work am I looking at? Why do I like them? Do I like them? And so your focus on your website needs to be in having a beautiful, engaging, connection-driving image paired with very thoughtful and written well copy that tells people, hey, I'm Jenna. I'm a small town Wisconsin girl with big city dreams. Most days you can find me in my office in my yoga pants with puppies on my lap and cold coffee next to me because whoever gets around to drinking it while it's warm. Now, right there, I've given you many different options to decide, well, do I like her? Do I not? You know where I live. I live in Wisconsin. You know that I like dogs. You know that I like coffee. And so there is a very big strategy behind what your bio section should include, and you need to make sure that it's really thoughtful. Now, when Jen and I went and started designing my new site, I wanted to make sure that my face was showing up in different ways so that people were continually building that connection with me, that they were starting to recognize who I am and not just looking at my products or services. And so we made sure that there was a bio photo on the first page of my website, and then that the about page had a few different photos so that they started to recognize me. And then if you went to my blog, you would see that same bio photo so that you're creating this memorable experience where suddenly you're not just somebody who's offering something, you become more like a friend. The number two mistake that I was seeing in so many people's websites was not having a clear branding message. So if this sounds like something you might be falling prey to, let's have a conversation. When you think about what your brand is, does it communicate that clearly on every single page of your website? So what I was finding is very mixed messaging from multiple logos to a million different fonts to colors that weren't necessarily making sense within the color story or the context that they were in. Your brand needs to inspire emotion, okay? So a lot of times when we hear the word brand, we think of, a couple different things. We think of what a logo looks like. We think of fonts and colors, but we forget to think about how does your brand make people feel? 
And the biggest thing about a brand is that it needs to inspire something within the person who is looking at it. And that's where the whole attract and repel principle comes from. So you want people who are your ideal client to log on and see this brand in a way that they are like, heck yes, sign me up. You are the perfect fit for me. Or you want people to log on who might not necessarily fall into that ideal client category to say, oh, I don't think she's a right fit. Let's move on to the next option. Repelling, it sounds negative, doesn't it? Like we've told ourselves that you want to please everyone. We want to be Nutella. We want to make everyone happy. Yet repelling is very powerful in its own right because it's making more room for the attraction. I would rather spend time speaking to people who are the right fit than trying to communicate and debate and explain why I am the right fit to people who just aren't going to get it, right? I feel like a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we come on the defense because we want to defend what we do or what we create or who we are. And we spend so much time defending ourselves to people who just simply don't care or won't get it that we forget to speak directly to the people who are ready and excited and anxious to sign up. So what does your brand communicate? What is it telling me from the overall picture? So this includes the images you're using, the fonts you're using, the logo you have, the design of your site, how it is leading me through your site, all of those things. And there was just so much mixed messaging going on from website to website that it needed to be something to be addressed. So one of the biggest things when it comes to branding is that you don't need to go out and hire the perfect designer, invest thousands of dollars in it. You just need to have a very clear direction with where you're going. So you need to pick one or two types that you're using. So fonts, you need to pick one or two colors that are going to become recognizable for your brand. You need to pick a logo that is going to show up in different places of your business and your logo needs to translate from different mediums, whether that's a profile photo or at the top of your website or on a business card or on a client gift or if it's printed somewhere. If your brand isn't something that is very clear and that is delivered well, it can create this confusion that can lead to consumer doubt. And consumer doubt is a road that you just don't want to go down. Because when I was clicking onto certain websites for my students, I was realizing like, oh gosh, oh, there are two logos here. Now, which one is the right one? Did you just go through a rebrand? Is one when you started out and one when when you're working now? Is this the direction you're going? And it creates this really big confusion that leads to us doubting, like, are they the right fit for us? Do they know what they're doing? Are they confused on what they're offering? So when you are creating your website, you want to just create a very clear distinction of this is within brand, this is without brand, and you want your brand to inspire some sort of emotion. So don't just get caught up in things like your logo or your branding words. You want to make sure that that is being communicated to anyone who visits your site so that they start to recognize your different branding aspects, even if they're outside of context. The next thing is, is that I was seeing portfolios that were not making sense. So when it came down to creating my new portfolio for my new website, we did a lot of work and curating. And curating is this catchword in the industry. We hear it all the time. So what does that mean? 
So when I started to decide, okay, these are the weddings I would like to feature in my portfolio. These are the engagement sessions I would like to feature in my portfolio. I picked three weddings out of 120 some that I've shot. And I said, these are the three that are most aligned with my ideal clients. They didn't all have to look the same. They didn't all have to be garden party weddings or anything like that. But these are the three that I enjoy the most. These are the three that will resonate with my ideal bride the most. And these are the three that show my range and style of photography the best. And something that I see when we curate our portfolio is we feel such an emotional attachment to the work that we've done. Because as creatives, our work is an extension of us of our soul, of our being. And so we have a really hard time disconnecting that in order to look at what our portfolio needs to look like in order to attract the new clients. And so instead of focusing on these new clients or potential clients, we focus on the past clients that we've already loved on and served well. And we feel this attachment and we're like, well, I have to show a photo from theirs or they're going to feel left out. But here's the thing. Your portfolio is not for your clients. It's for you. And it's a tool that you are going to use in order to attract these new clients into your lives. So what does your portfolio look like? Is it all over the place? Are you showing too many types of work? Is it all different types of presets and editing and different colors and different visions? Are you curating it in a way that is going to speak to your dream ideal client today? We forget that as our business grows and changes and evolves, so does our ideal client. And so you need to be doing once-overs on your portfolio every few months. You need to update it when you have new things that might fit better into that. You need to look at it with a very thoughtful eye and say, is this communicating the right thing? And you need to curate it so specifically that if anyone were to pull a single image off of your website, you'd be proud to have your name attached to it. So what I was seeing is that people had such an emotional attachment to all of their clients, which is a beautiful thing, that they weren't able to look at their portfolio with a very distinct eye and say, this is going to attract my next ideal client. Instead, they were still focusing on serving their past clients, which is a beautiful thing, but it doesn't stand a place when it comes to your portfolio. So my question for you is this, is your current portfolio on brand? Is it speaking directly to the clients that you want to book you next? And if I were to pull any single aspect of that portfolio out and say, you created this, would you be proud of that? And if you can't answer yes to all of those, then it's time to go back in and not let that sit on your to-do list for too long. Because your whole goal of social media is not to serve as your online portfolio. It is to be a call to action to get them to go one step further, which should be your website. And if they're going to look at your portfolio there, is it going to be as beautifully curated as you're worried about curating that Instagram feed? Chances are the answer is no. And so when I went through and made my portfolio, I picked three weddings. I picked 20 images from each, which is maybe 2% of what I shot. And I wanted to tell a story in a very thoughtful and skillful way so that brides that were coming to my website could look and imagine themselves in those images. Crazy, right? Did you ever think of your portfolio that way? So another mistake that people were making, number three, is that 
They were looking at creatives in their field instead of seeking inspiration elsewhere outside of your field that would maybe help you speak more clear to that ideal client that you're trying to reach. So something that I learned, especially when I went through many different photography websites, is we were all doing the same thing, right? We were all being vanilla because we were too afraid to stand out in the sea of photographers. But what we fail to understand is that when we do that, we are literally becoming a tiny fish in a giant pond. Think of the process your clients go through when they are trying to decide if you are the right fit for them. They might have 10 tabs open with other creatives in the same industry as you and all of their websites open. What happens if your site looks the exact same as photographer A, B, C, or whatever area your industry is? If you look the exact same as everyone else, what are they going to do? They're going to price shop you. Scary, right? We hate talking about price. We hate it so much. But if the only way that you're standing out is your price, you are just begging to be price shopped. And so what I was seeing is that all of these photographers, their websites looked the exact same as the next one. And I was starting to forget, well, whose site am I looking at and what do they offer and where are they located And instead, I was just like, well, what is their price point and does this make sense? And so when we created my new website, we very specifically made the decision that we were going to look outside of the photography industry. I was finally ready to say, I am going against the grain. I don't want to look at any other photographer's websites. I want my site to feel entirely unique and personable, and I want it to be an experience for my clients, one that they're going to enjoy and that is going to be exemplary of what they can expect if they sign on the dotted line and say, I choose you. And so instead of looking at what the top photographers were doing, I started looking in different places. I went to Pinterest and I started pinning all different kinds of inspiration. I didn't care if it was a herringbone tile floor or a really chunky sweater. I didn't care if it was some crazy hand-drawn font or a color within a flower. I wanted to start to see what was I drawn to, what sort of colors and textures and wording and different things were inspiring me. And instead of looking at the rest of the industry and seeing how does their menu look or how are they designing their portfolios, I wanted to just go deep within and say, here are these things that I love. Chances are my clients are probably going to love them too. And so if you are getting stuck with your website and you are consistently looking within your industry, my challenge for you today is to start looking outside of it. Start seeing what's working in other industries. Stop making your website try to appeal to other people in your industry. I know as a photographer, I see this all the time. We write our about me sections for other photographers. We talk about things that only other photographers would understand or know, like different awards or accolades or features. Instead of keeping the ideal client front and present in our minds, we start to think, well, what would my peers say? Or what would they think about this? Or what would they like to see if they clicked here? Now, our peers in our industries, they're not paying the bills. Popular doesn't pay the bills, honey. You need to make sure 
that every aspect, every facet, every button, every page of your website is speaking to your ideal client. And that's where you just have to let go of the fear of judgment from others in your industry and focus on those clients. When you put them at the front of every single decision you make, it's so much clearer and easier to say, yes, this serves a purpose on my website or no, this doesn't actually fit here. So stop looking at other creatives in your field. Stop going with the flow and making your yourself be a tiny fish in a giant pond because when you're doing that you're only setting yourself up to get price shopped and trust me guys that is not a fun way to run your business so the next thing that I was seeing and this was on almost every single website that I looked like was having overcomplicated contact forms or not having enough places where people could reach out and contact you so when we set up my new website, one of the biggest things that I talked to Jen about was that I really wanted to create a website that was constantly inviting people to get in touch. I didn't want it to just be on one elusive contact page. I wanted every step to get people closer to feeling encouraged and invited to reach out to me. So when I was clicking through different contact forms on my students' websites, I was seeing that people had about 20 fields that were required to be filled in before somebody could even say hi. And in my courses, I teach about how we need to minimize the risk of losing a client. So what does that look like? When you get off of this podcast episode, I want for you to sit down and I want for you to write down every single step it would take for a total stranger to first hear about your name or your business name, all the way through to the process of what it would take to sign a contract and get in a deposit to work with you or buy your product or whatever that looks like for your business. So from never hearing of you all the way to the final sale or the final commitment saying, yes, I choose you. What is every single step that they would need to go to in order to make that happen? So for me, maybe they would go onto Instagram and they would find me on Instagram. Then they would click onto my website link. Then from there, they could click the contact page. Then from there, they would fill out the contact form, which I would respond to. And then we would start the conversation and hopefully get them booked within three emails. Okay. So a lot of times we have this way overcomplicated idea that we want to take these people on a maze and really make sure they're the right fit before they even reach out. But wouldn't it be so much easier to decide if they were the right fit once you were able to speak with them, whether that's getting on the phone with them or meeting up with them for coffee or simply emailing them back? And so what I was finding is that people would bury their contact forms or they would have all of these fields. So it'd be like first name, last name, date, budget. How did you hear about us? What do you envision? What are your colors going to be for your wedding? And we're overcomplicating this. They might not even know that. Let's say I got engaged yesterday and I wanted to get in touch with my dream photographer. And then they were asking me all these questions before I could even say hello. And I didn't know the answers to them. I would feel like I just needed to sign off and that they weren't the right fit for me because I didn't have the answers or, or I would tell myself, I'll get back to them when I do have those answers, but we could have just lost them, right? 
So how can we minimize the risk of losing someone? How can we oversimplify having them get in touch with us so that we are in control of what our email communication and what they're being served via email or the phone looks like from there? Our biggest goal of our website should be that we want people to be able to freely and invitedly reach out to us. And so if we're only having a place to contact us on one place... Or if our contact form isn't working and we don't have our website or our email address listed, how are people going to reach us? We tell ourselves, well, they could find me on Instagram and post a comment, or maybe they could hop to my Facebook page and send a message. But again, we could have just lost them. And so when you have a contact form on your website, I want you to collect the most important information, which should just be their name, their email, and a generalized message. They're going to tell you all the details. And if they don't, awesome. You can send them a great email back and ask to clarify those details that you need in order to send them the right information. So I would love for you to minimize the risk, simplify your contact form, and make sure that people are being invited to get in touch with you on multiple pages on your website. So even on your bio page, you could say like, awesome. Do you love me? Let's get in touch. Put a link to your contact form, whatever that looks like. And so on our website, we have so many different ways that you can get in touch with me. And we want to just open that invitation so that people feel comfortable enough to reach out and we can start the conversation. We can start the experience and we can be in control of what that looks like. Your big goal should be that people feel comfortable and excited enough to reach out to you. Don't make that job any harder than it has to be. So the next big obstacle that we were seeing on different websites was that people were burying their email opt-in option. So you know that I believe in growing your email list. It's so important. We talk about it all in episode number 12. So if you aren't currently doing that, that would be number one, a big issue. But number two is that people were burying this place where people could sign up for their newsletter in their website. So it would either be buried on a sidebar or at the footer of their website and people would miss it. Who's going to sign up for that newsletter if you're burying it at the bottom of your site? If you are growing your email list, you just like your contact form, you want to provide a space for people to opt in. So how are you sharing the things that might be interesting to them? How are you encouraging them to sign up for your email list? Are you having pop-ups on your site? Don't worry. Yes, it could be annoying, but it also could capture your audience. Do you have a place where they can sign up for your freebies that you're offering? Do you have a little header that says, hey, here, sign up here for your free guide to XYZ? You don't want to bury this. You want it to be very prominent on your site because growing your email list should be a huge priority and your website is the best place to do this. So don't feel apologetic for it. Don't just think, well, I'll just toss it here and I'm sure people that are interested will find it. Don't assume that. Make it a prominent piece of your business and make it a way that you're serving your audience with things that they need or want or like. So the last piece of mistake that I was seeing and that you might actually be making in your business as well is that there was a lack of direction on the websites. So I didn't necessarily know where to click next or how to navigate through the website. And I was finding a ton of dead ends on pages. So for instance, I would look at somebody's portfolio and I'd be done with the portfolio and then I'd be like, well, now what? 
There was no link to contact them. There was no navigation that said, awesome, you made it through. Here's what to do next. And so when Jen and I were working on my website, we were making sure that every single area of the site led to something next. We wanted to make sure there wasn't a dead end that would just leave people hanging, that they would click out of my site and go on to the next thing. We wanted it to be an experience where based on what they were interested in, there would always be an opportunity to sign up for something next or to click to a new page. And so you want to make sure that you have direction for you page and you just very explicitly tell people, awesome, you made it through this portfolio. Would you like to go to my blog to see more? Or great, I see that you saw my weddings. Are you interested in seeing my engagement photos? Or awesome, you made it through this. Next, go to this because you want to continue that invitation and you want to get your prospective client used to saying yes to you. And so What I was finding is that there would be really complicated navigation. And I wasn't even sure like, well, how do I scroll through this gallery? Do I scroll? Do I click? Is it a slideshow? Does it just automatically play? And so there was this lack of direction. And so you just want to tell people exactly what you want them to do. It sounds silly, right? But when we are building our websites and when we're so close to the design, we often forget that the things that are very obvious to us might not be obvious to other people. So I have this thing called the mom test, and I teach this in all of my courses. The mom test, it doesn't necessarily need to be your mom. It could be your spouse or your partner. It could be a best friend or your sibling. It could be somebody walking down the street if they're willing. But what I want for you to do is I want for you to watch somebody navigate your website. So I want for you to just pull up the main website and then watch how they click through it, what pages they go to if they get stuck in places, if there are links that aren't quite working, if they aren't sure how to use a certain feature on your website. And you want to make sure, I always joke that it needs to be my mom because when I watch my mom use the internet, it's a little different than us of our generation do. But if she gets hung up on something, chances are my clients could be getting hung up on something or something might not be clear enough where it makes sense to the average user. And so it's so interesting. The rule during the mom test is is that you can't interrupt or you can't tell them what to do. You just have to watch them navigate through things. And it's always the best way for me to refine the design or simplify things. We get so caught up in making it so interesting or having all the bells and whistles that we forget that sometimes people don't even understand or see the value in the bells and whistles. They just want to figure out and land on where they want to land. So we all know the statistics. I mean, it's like eight seconds. People will make a decision if they're going to stay on your website or not. So Are you making it simple for them to find what they're looking for? Are you making it easy for somebody to get in touch with you? And are you giving them direction so that they know how you want them to get the experience? So if you go to my website, there are many different things that could catch your eye or your attention. And once you go through that, it's going to lead you to the next part of it. It's almost like a funnel where we start very broad 
And then we narrow the scope. So we start to refine who is this for? What are they looking for? How can we give them the tools or the resources or the information that they need in order to make a decision? And so you need to make sure that you are very thoughtful when it comes to your website in designing a place that provides direction, that doesn't have dead ends, and that continues the experience that is going to be exemplary if that person should hire you as somebody in their lives. So there you have it. Those are the five biggest mistakes I see. So not having solid about me or bio pages, not having clear branding messaging, whether that's through logos or fonts or colors, not having curated portfolios, looking too deeply at others in our industry and not deep enough into what will speak to our ideal clients burying our email opt-in options, and not having clear direction for the people who are visiting our websites. So those are the five things that I noticed as I was going through and doing reviews for my students. And what an interesting and eye-opening experience it was for me to just see the common hangups that we often fall prey to. And sometimes it's consciously and sometimes we don't even realize it's happening. But what your website needs to be is a place for people to land where you start that experience for them right off the bat. You want it to be simple. You want them to have the invitation to get in touch with you. You want to provide information for them to make a decision. And you want to serve them in some sort of way so that whatever they landed on your page that they were looking for, they can find it so easily. Your website allows you to speak directly to your ideal clients. So always make sure that every decision you make when it comes to your design or your branding or the direction of your site, you're asking yourself, is this speaking to my ideal client? Not to my peers, not to my mom, not to anyone else. Is this going to touch the ideal client and show them the kind of work that I want to continue doing? Can they envision themselves as a client of my work? Am I showing my greatest gifts off? And am I creating a connection that will leave them excited and eager and ready to sign up? So today I have some homework for you. I would love for you to perform the mom test. Ask a trusted friend to go through your website without you talking, whether you have to put duct tape over your mouth or not. Do not give them any direction and then start to make and implement changes. A lot of times our websites are abandoned in our business, but if we just sit down and put a few hours of work into it, the change can totally impact your bottom line in your business in such a positive way. So don't set that at the bottom of the to-do list. Move it up to the top, make it a priority, and get going so that your website is something that is helping generate profits in your business and helping you serve the audience that you are seeking to serve in a new way. I hope this episode was so helpful for you. Until next time, keep on digging those goals. My friends, I will talk to you super soon. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser, you.